Welcome to another life-changing message from Pastor Vernell J.R. Samuel of Hungry for God Church. For more information, please visit our website, www.h4gchurch.com. that the people of Moab, with the people of the people of, of Ammon, and with them other besides the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There comes a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. And behold, they be and had has his arm to Mar, which is Engadi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim the fast throughout all of Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Are you, are not thou our God, who did drive out the inhabitants of this land before the people of Israel, and gave unto the seed of Abraham your friend? forever, and they dwell therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein, for thy name, saying, If when evil come upon us, as the sword, judgment, pestilence, famine, we stand before this house, and in your presence, for your name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then you will hear and help. I want you to jump down to verse 14. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Benaiah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, hearken or listen, ye all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. The battle is not yours, but who? But God's. Tomorrow, go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand still, and seek the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. His worry turned into worship after he got a word from God. That he was, Bible says that he was afraid after he heard about the, the armies that were coming against him. And as, he, as they set their faces to see God and they prayed, the Bible says that the Spirit of God came upon one person in the congregation who began to prophesy this word. 
And as the word came, the Bible says that the word gave them strategy to fight. And then as they gave them strategy to fight, the Bible says you're not going to need to fight. God is going to fight. But you're still going to have to show up for the battle. He said, stand still and see the salvation of God. This battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. But they still had to go down to fight. And what many of us need to realize is that as you get a word from God, and after God begins to give you a blueprint or strategy of how you're supposed to live, and He tells you, don't worry, I got you. You're, I, I got you, don't worry, I got your family, I got your kids, your health is still intact. But He's still going to ask you to show up in the great places that once intimidated you. Because that's how you're going to see the salvation of the Lord. You're going to recognize that the Lord is with you as you face the situations in front of you. See, faith doesn't ignore a problem, neither does it deny the reality of a problem. What does faith do? Faith draws from a greater reality than the one that's in front of you. I don't have to see people think that I got faith, so I'm, I'm going to act like this problem doesn't exist. No, you can look at the problem square ahead, but you can stand flat-footed in knowing that the Lord is with you. Come on, church. Do you know that the Lord is with you? And if he's with you, he's going to make his presence known. To hold him back, bow his head with his face to the ground and all of the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord and worshipped. The Levites, the children of the Korites and the children of the Korites stood up to praise God with a loud voice on high. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness. And as they went forth, the host of that stood and said, Hear me! Believe in the Lord your God, and so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, and that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. I want you to see something here. That in a God culture, we praise and we worship in the middle of our war. We oftentimes allow the seasons that we're in to determine the songs we sing. And while you may not be able to choose your season, you can choose the song. They say, not a warfare song. They didn't sing a song about triumph or deliverance. They sang, God is merciful. God, we praise you and your mercy endures forever. 
That song seemed like it had nothing to do with the conflict. But there's a revelation here. It's strange because what I actually want to teach about has almost has nothing to do with what I just read. But I just really wanted to get to this point. They declared something about the nature of God that it seemed like it had nothing to do with the battle. But as he declared this aspect of God's nature, God shows up and fights for them. What did they sing? Praise the Lord for his mercy <laughs> endures forever. He just said that when we say, Lord, I praise you. Because your mercy endures forever. Your love endures forever. You are good. Because your mercy endures forever. There's something about that statement, that phrase. Because you see it all, all throughout the Old Testament. You see it when uh, Solomon closes off the building of the temple. He builds the temple up, and they, they end it. I think it's in Chronicles 7. They end it off the, 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 uh, the construction of the temple by saying, You are good, and your mercy endures forever. And as they sing that song, the Bible says the glory of God comes down into the temple. So much so that the ministers couldn't minister anymore. And then the doctor says that they all fell on their face and just began to worship God. The glory of God appeared or manifested as they began to just declare the mercy and the goodness of God. You may have your seats. Say it one more time. Say, Lord, let your mercy endure forever. There's something about that song that God loves to hear his praises, but he loves to hear his praises out of vessels who understand his mercy and his grace. And that, how is it that, I don't know if you guys have been in a fight, or you ever had drama, or ever had adversaries, or ever had conflict. But if there's anything you can sing at a time when you're getting ready to fight, it wouldn't be something about God's love and God's mercy. Right? That's not going to be song selection on the soundtrack you're probably going to pick. You want to get a battle song? a fight song, a champion song, you're going to find something that's going to reflect that. But as they sang, the prophet sang, or released them, they, they, the, the Bible says, Jehoshaphat went and said, Judah, believe in the Lord, believe in his prophets, we're going to prosper. And when they got the singers together, and they began to praise God in the beauty of his holiness, they went out, the Bible says, before the army, the singers went out before the army went out and they began to sing about God's love and God's mercy. Somebody say God's ways are higher than our ways. 
See, God wants to be understood. When that statement Isaiah said, and his ways are higher than his way, our ways are stronger higher than our thoughts, is not an indictment against us to say, you can never think like God, you can never be like God. Because God created you to be like him. God created us to be like him. We were created in his image and in his likeness. John, Jesus said in John 17, the glory you have given me, Father, I have given to them that they may be one even as you and I are one. That God wants things to be in earth as it is in heaven. He wants there to be an alignment between heaven and earth, which also includes an alignment between God and man. That it is supposed to, we're, we're coming, we're growing up into the knowledge of God. But what we also need to see is that God does not intend for us to simply see ourselves as, well, he's God, I'm here, and I'm never going to be able to be like him. Because that's what religion has taught you for centuries. That's what religion has preached. That God, that we, we, we have no problem celebrating Jesus. We have no problems uh, 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 praising Jesus and, and acknowledging Jesus for who he is. But when you really read the Gospels, you realize what the intention of or the mission of Jesus was. It was more than just to save you. It was more than just to get you out of hell. But what Jesus came to do was to reveal the Father to us. He came to show us the Father. And by showing us the Father, he was also showing you who where you came from. He was showing you who you really are. Because in the Father, we get our identity. Jesus came to an orphaned planet. A planet that did not know God. And that which we did know of God, it was fragmented. It was partial. We only had a glimpse. We only had a, 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 a minuscule understanding of who he is. But what we find in the New Testament was that when Jesus came, the Bible says in, uh, in Hebrews 1, that Jesus was the express image of God or the perfect representation of God. That everything we need to know about God, we find in the person of Jesus. And if there is something that we are seeing, seeing about God that is not found in Jesus, then we have a wrong view of God. So we've learned over the course of, the, uh, of time that Jesus Christ gives us perfect theology. That Jesus shows us the perfect reality. If you want to know who God is, you study Jesus. You can't look at Moses to find a full picture of God. You can't look at, uh, at Job to find a perfect picture of God. All of the Old Testament patriarchs only had a view, a, 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 a view of God that was, that was a shadow, the Bible says. But we find the perfect picture of God the Father and the Son. It's important to realize that God so loved the world that he gave us his Son. He didn't send an angel. He didn't send a cherubim. He didn't send a serpent. He didn't send one of the four elders by the throne. He sent us his one and only begotten Son. He's a re there was a reason for that. So if Jesus was a Son, 
And God is looking, and God is a father. The type of theology that, that Jesus had was not so much a doctrinal theology as much as it was a relational theology. A relational. He had a view of God that was relational. This concludes another life-changing teaching from Hungry for God Church. For social media updates and more teachings from our pastors and leaders, please visit our site, h4gchurch.com.